Welcome to the Witty and Gritty Podcast. Hosted by Brooke and Farron. Where you learn a little about a lot. And sometimes a lot about a little. Welcome to episode 16 of The Road Back to You, where we are studying the Enneagram. Right, we're in our interviews, so our last Enneagram interview was the book study. Today we have the Clickners, they're from Joy-Filled Marriage, they're going to talk about that in a little bit. And then next time we have someone that Blake wants to talk about. So yeah, so why don't you guys start us off, introduce yourselves, tell us a little bit about you guys and what y'all do. Well, we're the Clickners, um, Blake and Kristen, Kristen with the I. Um, I am, I'm just go out there and say it, I'm a three, um, since we're going to talk about Enneagram, we do Joy-Filled Marriage. Um, and my wife is a five. Kristen, won't you say hi? Hello. Uh, yes, I'm a five. Uh, five wing four. And so I'm kind of a rare person. Not many fives out there. Of course you are. You yes. are rare. That's the, right. Just next to fours who say there's only them as a four. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's so right. How did you guys meet? <laughs> we used to say a mutual friend, but we met online back yeah. on... Back when it was creepy. Yeah, yeah. Are you talking like MySpace? No, Christian Mingle. Christian Mingle. Oh, okay. Christian Mingle.com. Yeah. I'm not sure how far back we were going. All yeah, right. well, we've been married for uh, 15 years, getting close to 16. That'll be December 20th. Mm-hmm. Points. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, long story short, both of us were on a free trial at the same time. God appointed that clearly. And um, so. She says, what do you think about my profile? I like your profile. What do you think about mine? I filled out my profile kind of a joke. It said, why were you uh, on this website? And I said, mom said it was time for me to move out. What, what's <laughs> oh your... I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is one of the reasons I picked it. Because yeah. I thought it was hilarious. Um, uh, what's your favorite uh, idea? Or what's your what's the first best first date? And I said, play kick the can and talk about you. Um, you know, That sounds like a great date. Oh, yeah, 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 because everyone knows what kick the can is. Um, um, I saw her, I was like, man, this girl's really good looking, um, but she has this, the, she has a baby leg in her picture. What, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah, like, this is before, you have to keep in mind, this is like 16 years ago before iPhones, uh, before like really good editing software, so mm-hmm. your photo crop was just, um, it has to cut. So there's, I'm holding my cousin in the picture, but I cut off the baby, but the, leg, <laughs> the leg's still in the picture because he's on my hip. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's what he sees. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I don't think I'm ready to be a dad, but I'll give it a shot, <laughs> you know? So, um, we go back and forth. Um, we end up having to buy into the, uh, uh, into the... To buy a month long membership so we can actually talk to each other. Yeah. Mm. Um, so we're going back and forth in messages, and um, I start realizing, like, hey, I'm putting a lot of sarcasm in this. And as looking back at it, it's a surprise that she even, like, wanted to be with me because she is such a grammar Nazi and about spelling, and I'm the worst at that. And so she looked through it. I was like, can I get your number? We talked back and forth uh, for about, what, two weeks? Probably, and, yeah. And then we met at the Galleria. Um, for the first time. I'm glad you picked a public place just yes. to be yeah. safe, right? Again, yes. this is back when it was creepy. <laughs> it is, yeah. There was no swiping 
or any yeah, of that. Yeah. She brought her best friend at the time. Um, yes. Back up. I like that. Mm-hmm. I told her I was meeting this guy from the internet, and I needed her to go to the mall with me. So, that was, like, same night. She came with me and walked on, like, the third floor of the Galleria, and I met him on the second floor. I didn't even tell my mom. And this is after my first year of college, but I'm still only 18 at this point. So it felt like I was supposed to tell my mom, but I didn't tell her till the next day when I knew that I was like, okay, I actually like this guy, so I should, I should call my mom and tell her. And I told her at work so she couldn't make a scene. There you go. Yeah. But she was actually really cool about it and was like, oh, what's his name? And I was thinking, why are you so cool about this? I just told mm-hmm. you I met a guy from the internet. Yeah. <laughs> and already met him at a, at a place. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so we, we meet, uh, I tell her I'd like to have a second date. And so the very next day we had a date and, um, I think within the next six months, we only, we didn't see each other, but maybe only six days. And she was cause she was going to Colorado to visit Colorado state with her brother who was going to go play football there. Um, I proposed within three months. All right. Um, and that was a whole weird kind of situation in itself. Um, and then three months later, we were married on December 20th. Um, and so it was a really quick engagement and getting married. And, a little bit. Oh, it was really quick and yeah. everything. Six months. Yeah. And Total. so I was going to be a youth pastor. So I was like, man, I got to get married quick if I want to stay holy. I, I got to be holy. <laughs> <Air quotes>. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. So that's kind of, we met, we're married quickly. Um, she was barely 19, I'm 22, and um, <laughs> we start off the marriage perfectly, right? Of course. I had a youth minister job set up, and it got taken away from me in two days before we got married. Oh, so I am jobless. <laughs> taken away sounds like you had the job. It was a hey, we're gonna prob- hire you. probable job, and then they said we changed our mind because mm-hmm. we're in a mess yeah. right now. So mm-hmm. yeah. right. I'm not going to say the church, yeah. but it's in the vicinity. Neither of us had jobs when he got married, yeah. so that's awesome. Yeah, and lived with her grandmother. We just rocked it. Was I fun. was a college student, so. Yeah, yeah, okay. she was college It worked. Student. And here you are, yeah. yes. 15 years later. Yep. So, yeah, that was a long answer to a really No, it question. gives our that's audience good. a little idea about y'all and your journey and where you started. So, yeah. thanks. Okay, so you guys have something going on called Joy-Filled Marriage. Why don't you all talk about that for a minute? Okay, we started Joy-Filled Marriage this past January. Um, so we have only been doing that uh, for about seven or eight months at this point. And both of us, of course, feel called to work in marriage ministry in some way. <laughs> and uh, with Blake's job as a pastor... We see a lot of Christian men and women whose marriages end in divorce, and it just really uh, saddens us. Anytime Blake has uh, meets with people who are struggling with their marriage, you know, he comes home and he's just very upset um, about just all the struggles that they're going through, right. and we feel like it, maybe it's just not talked about enough um, in the church and you know obviously the church can only do so much um have one series for the year right and it needs to be an ongoing um something we talk about ongoing so we started it um to try to help out people um Mm -hmm. and and help us and help us yes it definitely helps us it keeps us thinking about um how to improve our marriage as well and so we know that um every marriage is not in a bad place 
but we feel like people should be fighting for their marriage on yeah. a daily basis um, because you want it to be, you know, highly functioning, highly successful. Yeah. Marriage is, marriage is literally the hardest thing you'll do. You know, it's, it's uh, you're taking two flawed people and bring them in together and try to become one. And so we see that Kristen would, uh, I would come home and start asking her questions and she's like, did you have a counseling appointment? What was going on? Yeah. You know, because, Are you happy with our marriage? And I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, I mean, you sit there and you, you sit down with a couple and these people by all accounts on Facebook, everything's perfect. You know, he's so great. He's so wonderful. She's the dream girl I've got. And then you sit down for coffee and it's like, that person hates me. You know, I'm not going to forgive him and stuff. And so, I would collect a lot of that because, you know, being a pastor, you, you absorb a lot of stuff. And then I would come home and on my ride home, I'm sitting there and my mind's going a million miles an hour. And I'm like, oh my gosh, they were, by all accounts, they were perfect two months ago. And now this is where they're at. Mm-hmm. So not wanting that in my own marriage, it's like I start asking questions to her and stuff. And what's great is that she's able to hear it and kind of go, hey, we're not there. Or here's some honesty. I'm going to share some stuff, and then we'll talk through it. Um, but that's been years and years of just kind of learning each other. Um, and so with that, uh, we, we're we not perfect, and we know no marriage is perfect. And so we decided, hey, why not be un- not perfect in front of other people yeah. and hopefully start you that conversation real? with people? Yeah. Yeah. Try to that's be the word I was going for. <laughs> I yeah. love that. Yeah. So, so we have an Instagram and Facebook account. Um, we, uh, we launched our website April 1st. And so we share on date April night. Fools. Yeah. On April Fool's. We didn't think it would be funny because we had this whole. <laughs> We're going to do a 30 day challenge on April Fool's. Sure you are. We had this whole website launch countdown like five days out, and mm-hmm. when it was April 1st, we were like, should we put, just kidding, like, we don't actually have it. Start the ministry off with. Yeah. Ha! We decided. We, you. we you decided. Can trust us. Yeah. Maybe not the best, so um, we share date night ideas, scripture, prayers for your marriage, blog posts, and we even have a 30-day marriage challenge that's on our site, um, and that's mm-hmm. free. So what is your site, your handle, where can people find you? Uh, everything is joy-filled marriage. Our website is actually joy-filledmarriage.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where all of our stuff is. Yeah. And if you're a guy and you're saying, hey, that sounds kind of girly. Guys, we talk about sex on there too. So, you know, at least go and t- pay attention to it. Yeah, tune in. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think they all just heard you know, <laughs> yeah. I said sex. Yeah, they're like, so. sex? What? Okay. I'll continue to listen. Don't worry, we'll include all that in our show notes as well. If you know where to find them. Just in bold letters. (laughs) That's funny. All right, that leads us right into the Enneagram. So I know y'all have kind of talked about that before even Joy-Filled Marriage. So introduce us to how you figured out the Enneagram, where did it come from? Okay, I'll start. No, let me start. No, right? no I want to because your mom was no. in a cult for a long time. <laughs> okay. Story. So my mom's not in a cult. Yeah. Uh, however, that is what Blake called the Enneagram when we first found out about it. The for, symbol looks like a cultish symbol. Well, oh, it does. I was like, but oh, my mom was so excited about it. She was just talking about it and talking about it. And he was just like, why does she keep talking about this? Well, mm. so. That was five years of it. It was a cult, by the way. Okay. Wow. Okay. So you were a skeptic, you'd say, for about five years. Oh, yes. Blake was definitely a skeptic. Yeah, and it was like with this Jesus twist, too, of like, hey, you know, this is the nine characteristics of Jesus. 
Uh, well, okay, so first of all, um, you know, I was talking to a friend the other day, and she was like, oh, it's just so trendy right now, and I was like, well, it is trendy right now, but it's been around since at least the 70s and probably longer, so my mom actually was sent to an Enneagram training in 2007 um, for her work. Her, her office actually sent her to find out her number and um, use that in her office because she was managing an, a business office for a hospital. And so in 2008, she started sharing it with us. Now, the cool part is mom actually like studied. She's actually trained to... Um, what do you call that? Like do staff development. I don't know what you call that. She's actually trained. She's certified in it. Yeah, she's certified to teach the Enneagram. And she studied under Suzanne Stabile. Nice. Facilitator. Yeah, I don't know. That's the word. That's kind of a mess. Enneagram right? facilitator. <laughs> yeah. Studied under Suzanne yeah. Stabile, one of the authors of the book that we're talking about. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So Suzanne Stabile uh, has Life in the Trinity Ministries, which is actually in Dallas. And so... Mom studied under her, and so she, of course, brought that home to all of us and wanted us to learn our numbers, and so we watched videos, and she read through all the different pieces of it. We took um, the test. We didn't take a test. Yes, we did. There's not a test. There was a test. Maybe you've repressed You shouldn't have taken a test. <laughs> yeah. You shouldn't have taken a test, because that's actually one of the things you should not do, according to Suzanne Stabile. She's like, don't take the test. It's actually kind of biased. And you end up sometimes getting into a number that maybe you're not, just because mm-hmm. you're trying to put the positive spin on it yeah. um, of who you are. So um, we recently, well, I've read the book, Road Back to You. Blake's read pieces of it, but more so I read it to him. We were on a road trip, and yeah. I was reading it to him, I think on the way to Colorado. Yeah, to Estes Park. Yes. And so um, that's kind of how we learned about the Enneagram way back. So we've you know, known about it for a long time yeah. and known our numbers and, but probably in the more recent years, maybe when I finally stopped saying it was a cult, <laughs> which I'll say this, Karen, uh, my mother-in-law is a two. And so when she absorbed this, she's like, here, I can fulfill a need mm-hmm. for my family mm-hmm. right. and help them communicate back and forth and stuff. And so, yeah, I was not really a friend of her at that point because it, it was more <laughs> of a joke and kind of way to tease her. But at the same time, one of the coolest things I saw in it was my father-in-law fell in love with it because his wife fell in love with it. Aww. And so, I mean, he stands right there beside her um, doing it. And but at a- first, he was skeptical, too. At oh, first, yeah, way yeah. back. He was team cult. He was, <laughs> he was, but now he actually helps her do the trainings. Um, and, and they do just with their church people and friends. Like, if anybody wants to... Um, get a group together and actually go through the whole session. Um, she is always happy to come out and and lead people in that. So how numbers. would they contact her if they wanted to do that? She has no official like website or anything like that. You would go to Joyfield Marriage, <laughs> yeah. and then you would email us. No. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah, you your best you bet. Could. Yeah, your best bet is to probably get in contact with us because she does it just kind of for fun. Um, we do, I mean, she's she. She's leads, actually she leads to, workshops. Yeah, she yeah. did our um, my staff development at my school where I mm-hmm. work and helped all of our staff find their numbers. So she's helped Sea Life Church um, yes. here in Forney and the other campuses yeah. with figuring out their number and stuff. And it's actually from that um, we've seen a lot of conversations get focused around those things. So if you are listening and you're someone who has a company or you're in leadership. 
I would encourage you to, you know, contact us and allow us to get you in contact with Karen. I don't think she would appreciate me giving her phone number out. <laughs> <laughs> but for everyone out there yes. in the world, here it yeah. is. Yes. So. She's going to get so many yeah. phone calls. But she loves doing it. It's kind of like um, her own little hobby ministry yeah. um, outside of her job, and so she'd be happy to do that. That's good stuff. All right, so how y'all talked about your number. So how did you know it was you? How did you know that number was you? Did you? So you earlier you said, don't take the test. So what mm-hmm. would you suggest to people who are already taking the test or are, they've already read the book? Or mm-hmm. Well, so say? Uh, I think reading the book is always going to be um, better than taking a test. What I found with tests, and I mean, there's great, there's tests out there. Um, your Enneagram coach has a test that you can do. But the problem to me is um, it is quick, but it only asks you two questions at a time. So like you have to choose, would you do this or this? Well, sometimes we wouldn't do either. And I guess, hopefully, algorithm-wise, it would help you. Usually, I think at the end now, it's just telling you maybe your top three numbers. It's not giving you a, you're a six, you're a this. Um, you because have you can't to, read your mind. Right. It has. You really do have to study it. Um, part of what you hear from Ian Morgan Crone and Suzanne Stabile, who um, co-authored the book, actually talk about that it's best done in like orally mm-hmm. for someone to tell you. And so when my mom, when she went to training in, uh, with Suzanne, she spent, I mean, it was like an eight-hour training um, just to go through all the numbers. My mom has kind of perfected hers down because we've asked her, like, please make it shorter because we can't talk people into sitting there for eight hours. Right. But we might be able to talk them into sitting there for four. So she has actually got it down to where she can do it in four hours. And so... Um, now, when she does that, she does. Not everybody always finds their number, especially if it's a large group of people. So, not everybody can ask questions. But I would say that for me, when we were listening to it originally, um, of course, you're not supposed to type people, but you know, my mom came in and was like, "I think you're this number," you know. <laughs> yeah. That's just naturally what we do, and um, what we like about the Enneagram is that you know it's part the parts you can't see, so you know, versus the Myers-Briggs and the colors and the um, animals. Those are the personalities and the things people can see on the outside. Mm-hmm. So it's the what you do, and the Enneagram is the why you do it. Yeah. And so it's harder to type people that way. So um, I heard myself in the five. Um, I think the key one for me was when it talks about one of their characteristics is they would get lost in their internet searches. And so... You start Googling something because you're like, oh, I can just Google that. No big deal. And then you realize like an hour later you've been on the computer kind of down this wormhole of information. Watching and, mama's dance. I mean, whatever it takes. <laughs> like if I'm supposed to be planning a trip, like a vacation, um, instead of just doing like this piece and this piece, like I'll get kind of lost on there. At 942, and... we'll leave this place. And then at 9.53, <laughs> we'll exit at this place. And... Yes. Well, and I'm infamous for like we're watching a movie, and I'm like, oh, that actor, I'm going to look that up. So like while yeah. we're watching the movie, I have to look up the actors and have to look up what else they played in. And um... She loves museums. <laughs> I do love museums. But the other thing I think that stood out to me was we're um... – kind of the observers and so um, one of the examples that's used a lot in the trainings is when you look at people at a party mm-hmm. um, the fives usually are out in the corner against the wall off to themselves and they're just observing everything and a lot of times they go unnoticed so if somebody's like hey was Kristen even there at the party they'd be like I don't know I didn't see her 
just because yeah. we kind of fly under the radar and we like to be out there for a little bit, but then we are happy to be back away from everybody. Yeah, um, with the finding your number in the Enneagram, we did take a test because I remember my mother-in-law sitting there going, now go back to what's your core motivation, you know, and it's going back to why you do things and stuff because I'm taking tons of uh, tests, the Myers-Briggs, all that kind of stuff, and if I want, um, and this is kind of part of why I'm a three, I can become whatever I need to be, you know. Um, I can fill it out and become an introvert, Mm -hmm. but if you know me, you know that's the furthest thing from the truth. Um, if it's the animals and it's like, hey, I'm an otter or a golden retriever or a lion or beaver. Yeah, that was the other one. I could fill it out and become that. Where with the with that test and then as I was listening to my mother-in-law teach through those things, um, I, was, I was going back and forth because I'm a three or I'm a seven because I like to have fun and, I, you know, I just really just want to enjoy life. Well, it got down to my core motivation and then I also found it in my fear. Of like the work, the what's the what's the thing where it's like your childhood message? Yeah, the un, the lost childhood message, yeah. or the unconscious childhood message. And so, it, all of a sudden, she said that you're you're. Um, I can't remember what the phrase lost childhood message is. <laughs> all I know is that Karen, tell it's, us. It's yeah. about you. You are good enough. Yeah, you're good. Well, I I, good I just enough. always felt like I had to perform, and so everything's about success, and so. When being a youth pastor at the time, a seven made sense because sevens are fun and they're the enthusiast and it's just, let's go do it, have a ton of fun and all that kind of stuff. Well, I could, I could re- recruit kids and be all that. And so I felt like, hey, man, that's me. But then all of a sudden I hear the whole success thing. And it's always about whether or not you're performing or being what you need to be and that kind of stuff. And so I found myself in that number um, pretty quickly. Um, and then I started noticing in my wings. So, um, being a pastor, trying to fulfill the need of people, it's easy to fall on the two. But then you do counseling, and it's easy to fall on the four and stuff like that. Um, and stress and growth, uh, you're hitting the six and the nine, which I'm probably jumping all over Kristen's notes and what she wants to talk to <laughs> later. But in my growth, the six, it's like, okay, all right, I get that. But in the when I'm stressing it's hard to prioritize it's and it's kind of like I want to kind of re, kind of become this recluse and just like man I just don't know what to do I just want to do something things. you know and yeah. so um but then also uh as a three it's like there's some just some things that stick out and like hey I I struggle to celebrate people's other people's victories you know and when I see something good happen I struggle like and I don't get any recognition in it it like it hurts me, you know, um, and then it also lands in my love language of words of affirmation. So then, yep, it's all of them. Oh, it's here. just mm-hmm. all over the place. So, yeah. So that's how I came to being a three. I will tell people I'm a highly evolved three. <laughs> there you all go. Right? Um, <laughs> like you, uh, I think you said you're a, a one, a one with a two wing. I have zero wings. Zero wings. So <laughs> you and your husband one. have no wings. No wings. All right. So you're a one and We're a flightless eight. birds. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. All right. And uh, Farron, you are? A nine-wing one. A nine-wing one. And so that's fun. You, uh, you know, you're able to, hey, everything needs to be done perfectly, but you're not going to tell someone. You're not going to confront them that, hey, no. you're not doing it perfectly. No, I'll just fix it when they're not looking. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> 
Well, for me, I, I, I feel like I can go back and forth. And so we actually had someone else come in and teach us about the Enneagram before my mother-in-law came. And that lady, I'm not going to use her name, but she, it, it was a, it was a crap show. You know, yeah. she came in there and was like, hey, we need to focus and we're going to become one with the room. And I was like, okay, when's the Christmas <laughs> What did we cult? sign up for? Yeah, it's the, the cult. I was like, ah, it <laughs> did turn into a cult. But um, she that. was talking about like, oh, you have a wing and stuff. And just to irritate her, I started going, I'm a highly involved three. And I was like, it's something you don't know about yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'll teach after you yeah, and I'll teach yeah. you about that. So this has come up a few times already, but if you could elaborate more on what you say to someone who's skeptical when it comes to the Enneagram, now that you're on the believer side, when you hear skeptics, you're like, I was you, but like, what do you say? You know, I think sometimes uh, there there are some personalities that are going to be the early adapters and they're like, I want to be a part of that. Then you got the late adapters and then you kind of got the skeptics. And so the late adapters, they're just wanting to see it become successful. But the ones who are, like, true skeptics and stuff like that, um, you know, for some of them, it's probably because they've been burned on personality tests or they don't want to be identified. And what you're going to end up finding is there are some numbers that people don't like to be identified in. Mm -hmm. And so when you start reading off stuff to them about their their number or the certain number, you'll start watching their face kind of like the nonverbal starts kicking up. Right. Uh, uh, and then you're starting to see the other side of the nonverbal kind of like, no, I'm good. I'm good. You know, uh, this isn't affecting me. And then you start getting into these childhood messages. And when you end up finding like in your flaws and stuff, you're going, okay, there is some truth to this. And then you just let let them do it on their own. Because Mm -hmm. the truth is, if you're going to jump on it and you're going to use it, you're going to have to own it on your own. If you don't, then you're just trying to, regurgitate something you heard and it's just not going to be useful right the so the eights are usually the most resistant to mm. the enneagram we're still like i don't want to do this no. i was gonna say i was i was wondering if your husband was oh, like no. i'm out no i told him i was like i think you're eight and he's like i don't care <laughs> yeah you're like that's you're eight. so eight of you to say but his myers-briggs we did a myers-briggs and i'm mcgonagall and he ends up being lord voldemort I'm like this is perfect of course you're Voldemort. <laughs> We uh Myers Briggs changed. Well you can now. match it up like you can do your Avengers characters or your like if you're T J you're McGonagall I go back or if you're oh, I think okay. he's an ENTP, so he's mm-hmm. it ends up being Voldemort. Mm. You're of course. Yes. Well no, whatever so, it is, I'm a Harry Potter. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I call Harry Potter. We uh in training, of course, they start with an eight. Um when they when they start with the training, and that's how the book starts. Mm-hmm. And um, Suzanne explains that, uh, and I guess he, and Ian does. They say, you know, these are the people that don't want to hear it in the first place. So you got to get all that information out to them because they're probably going to stop listening after they figured out their number. Um, that's a good point. And so it uh, those are hard to get through. Eights are hard to get through. Um, they usually don't want to hear about it at first, and you can push and push and push, and they're like, okay, great, that's my number, but I don't want to hear about it anymore. I It comes back to, of course, the whole idea that the eights um, have a small circle of trust, and they don't want to be betrayed. And so the more people know about them, like knowing their number, um, the more um, uncomfortable they feel with that, and they don't like letting people in. And then you have... Um, I feel like the other resistance is the four, at least at the beginning, because yeah. they don't want to be labeled. They, yes. they want to be the individualist, and so they cannot be put into a box and be told that 
they're a certain number. Um, yeah. So they're usually, to me, the second resistant number of those. And so and trying to get them to see the value. And sixes have the most trouble identifying themselves because of all their self-doubt. Mm-hmm. Yes, this so. makes so much sense to one of my six friends. Megan, this mm-hmm. is you. It probably <laughs> took forever for her to figure out her number. And mm-hmm. even after she heard all nine numbers, she was probably still like, I don't know. I don't know mm-hmm. which one I am. Yeah. And... Usually when a person tells me that, I'm like, mm, you're probably a six. Let's go back to the six and review these these things and talk about that deeper. There's lots of other books, too, besides Road Back to You. Um, the Wisdom of the Enneagram is a book that's, like, a really thick. I mean, it looks like a textbook almost. But it actually helps with when you're struggling to find out your number. It kind of breaks down into more questions. And then, um, of course, the Enneagram Institute online, enneagraminstitute.com. There's actually, if you scroll down in certain numbers, it gives you, like, misidentification. So if you're a 6, but you might be a 7, you can actually click on the 6 misidentified as a 7, and it tells you the differences that are super subtle. That's good. And help you determine your number that way. You did great there, babe. I'm so proud of you. You go. All right. It's all the knowledge, yeah. which makes me so happy the as a five. Soaked in. Yeah. Yes, I'm proud of you in this. Well, moment. you know, the hard part for a six also is that you've got the you got the phobic and the counterphobic inside of it. So, it's the one group of people that don't really like know who they are, and then oh, by by the way, all these other numbers don't have two other options in them, and so it's like, well, what am I? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think I think a couple things with like the eights, the eights. Um, they're kind of the we're gonna say B word because I don't know if this is a family oriented. We we podcast. said that it, it wasn't gonna have bad words. Okay, so. well you're welcome. <laughs> All right, but they're the bossy person, you know. See that is a B word. Look yeah, at you. Yeah, sorry Morgan. Um, and so <laughs> he's then, fine with that. You know, <laughs> he's like I I've got that tattooed on my back. Uh, but then you've got the the four, who's this emotional person who. Um, honestly, it, they've got a three wing who can become whatever they need people to be. And so you've got this person who is, um, like I, I go back to high school and it's like the emos who are just like, I'm just, no one understands me. I have, I have all this, this angst and stuff. And that's like, okay, cool. So you're going to become an individualist by looking like everyone else. So fours that are listening, sorry. Um, you should be a three. So we want to go into the questions about how the Enneagram has affected you and some things about you, your surroundings, your workplace, all that stuff. So how has it affected you as an individual or even you and your how you're viewing the world? Um, I'll go first, I guess. Um, As a five, I am pretty guarded with what information I let out. Um, as well as somewhat um, the information I take in. So I would say that knowing my number has definitely helped me take a deeper dive into who I actually am because fives do like to research, and but they don't like to overthink things. So um, Blake would often ask me questions, and it would take me a long time to decide my answer. Um, which it's forced, the worst. Which it's, drove him crazy. It's but it, what we fought about. It really was. Really? Yeah. Because yeah. he was like, example? well, I don't know that Where question. Where do you want to eat? I don't know right? the question example. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. was like, we're married. We live, we're living in Oklahoma um, because I got a youth ministry position like six months after I got married. We got married. 
And the first two nights, we ate from a gas station because in we woke up Oklahoma, everything closes like at 7.30. It's like, hey, the five people that are going to come in here are, are done, so we're going to close shop. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we start getting into the, the routine of things, and I'd be like, hey, we have four options to eat. Sonic, um, uh, uh, Johnson's, another place, and another place. And I'm like, where do you want to eat? She's like, I don't know. And then she'd be quiet. And I'm like, just pick something. She's like, and so what I didn't know is in her head, she's building an argument for each of them and kind of trying to figure out what I'm going to say if she says this and all this kind of stuff. And so it created tension. And I'd always look at her and go, you do know the first thing you think is the most honest thing you can have. So why don't you say that? And so it went from we're fighting over what we're eating to our communication with one another. Mm-hmm. And so as we did the Enneagram, I started realizing, wow, so she has to have that 10-minute buffer. So if I'm going to ask her a question, depending on what kind of question it is, like without a doubt, if I said, hey, where do you want to go on vacation? Immediate answer because she's been thinking of that and researching and all that kind of stuff. Because our next three vacations are pretty much planned out. She loves to travel. But if I were going to go, hey, are you satisfied with um, life life or your job? (laughs) Those big questions that I'm like, what? What part of life? There's so many ways to do that. Absolutely. But I'm going to ask that question on Tuesday. And on Thursday, we're going to talk about it. And allow her to kind of come up with the whole conversation. Um, but other things like something real simple, like, you know, did you have a good day at work? Yeah. Wait a little bit and then you're going to get some of the the stuff, but she's thinking through all that stuff. Or for me, my mind's going a million miles an hour. You already had your answer before you asked the question. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm not actually, no, I'm more of like, as, as she's asking the question, I'm developing my answer, not really (laughs) listening that well. And then going to try to impress her with what I just said, you know. Without hearing anything she said. Absolutely. <laughs> and so with her being a five, it's it's helped us in our arguments and it's helped us in our communication a ton. Understanding that I have to be patient. Um, and one of the best ways for me to love her is to give her time um, to pause and to give her the ability to do that. Otherwise, I'm stressing her out. Right. Yeah, <laughs> you got me distracted because you went off on a whole different tangent. I'm like, they wanted a story. I know. <laughs> I can't believe you didn't go with the story of when you told me you loved me for the first um, time, and then yeah. it took me like ten minutes to respond because I was like, I don't know, I've never thought about that. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> do yeah. I? Do I love him? <laughs> so when you get engaged within three months of meeting each other, you're going to fall in love pretty quickly, right? And so, ten, uh, like, I mean, we're two weeks in. Okay, kids, don't do that. If my kids listen to this. Mom and dad were not a good example. Okay, <laughs> we're um, a great example. Huh? Still married. I, that part's good, all right. But as quickly as we ran into it, okay. Um, so I look at her. I'm nervous. All this kind of stuff. Um, um, I'm not going to hang up a man card and tell about all the emotion stuff here. But um, I gave her this porcelain rose um, just to communicate. Hey, I want to give you something that won't ever fade. All right, or you know, as romantic and gushy as that is. Found out later, she doesn't really care about that stuff. All right, so, um, so I lo- I'm sitting there, I'm getting nervous. I like gifts, I don't want you to talk to me about it. Yeah. <laughs> no Do you gifts. see the, the yes. symbolism behind it? I love it. it? And I'm like, sure. Yep. 
toss it away. I did <laughs> not toss it. It's sitting on our bathroom counter. Great. Still today. Yes. Still today. Yes. Still, still sitting there. 16 That's years later. how much she loves you. She's going to keep mm-hmm. that, not because she likes it, but because she loves you. This is true. But then I'm getting nervous. We're watching something, and I'm like, hey, can I say something to you? And I go, I love you. She goes, thanks. <laughs> and I'm like... Oh my god. So (laughs) the world rotates multiple times in this next 10 minutes, okay? I'm freaking out. In my mind, I'm like, I've fallen in love with this girl. I've done it too quickly. I'm screwed things up. What's happening? I'm like, a thousand things are hitting me in the head. I'm shaking. I'm I'm kind of awkwardly laughing at this point. Like, you know, and then she goes, Hey, I love you. And I went, I love you too. What took you so long? And, she, and this is really cool though. She goes, I didn't want it to be a response. Aww. And I was like, okay, cool. This girl's deep, you know? And so I'm deep when I want to be. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, as far as, you know, obviously that goes back to just letting people in and, um, letting my guard down and, and sharing feelings, you know, five, as they say, it takes them like three days to actually finally feel something. So I was like the worst at opening presents. Still kind of am. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm trying to be better because I know my number and I know my face and I know my reaction. Mm-mm. And so um, yeah, it's like, oh, thanks. And then like three days later, I'm like, oh, man, I really like this I gift. Propose. I proposed to this woman, all right? <laughs> three months in, I'm proposing to her. I, I get the Bible out. I take her to where our first kiss was. This kind of stuff because I was super poor at the time. I blindfolded her with a bow, uh, like a, a a tie. I take it off. I'm talking to her. I give her this card to read. And she reads it, um, and at the very end, it said, you know, some gushy stuff about I can't live without you. And I had her read that part out loud. She reads the last line and says, "So will you marry me?" And I go, "Yes." and then I get down on one knee and I read 1 Corinthians 13 as cheesy as it may be but at the point at the moment it was super romantic ladies you're loving it I know you are (laughs) so I get down on one knee and I propose and as I do that I fold my bible down and there's the ring and so I go to put I go will you marry me and she goes yes I put it that was it yes put the ring on and she gives me a quick peck, and then we walk off, all right? At least she answered you right away. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, well, she's been, I did know. Yeah, yeah. She, yeah. she had thought about it. Yeah, from day okay. one. Okay. What, oh. what? So, uh, <laughs> so um, you don't have to frown at me, Chris. Uh, but then we get back to the apartment, and her friend who came on the date at the Galleria is living with them. and right. Yeah, she's one of my roommates. Yeah, and she is... She's go, way more excited than I am. She doesn't know. Oh, she ran around the room and kissed me on the cheek. And I was like, where was that? You know? And she's like, eh. you know, I was like, whatever. I was like, I'm excited. Well, so um, I think knowing my number for sure has definitely helped me realize where I am staying too guarded with people. Or um, it also helps me realize when I'm stressed because I know when I go to stress, I go to a seven and I start wanting to withdraw and um, especially like in jobs, it's like, okay, I'm going to quit my job and find something different because I can't handle this anymore. So I definitely realize, okay, I'm stressed right now. I shouldn't um, be looking for other jobs. That's not really the point. If you're her employer, she 
she doesn't do that now. Yeah. She's grown up. I love my job. <laughs> um, and then um, it also helps me to get out of my comfort zone because when I grow, I actually go to an eight. And so knowing that, you know, I can actually have that confidence to get outside of myself. And um, one thing that just in the past few weeks that I've been hearing a lot about is when you are uncomfortable, it means you're growing. And so that discomfort that you feel is actually good um, because I did recently change positions um, in the district where I work. And so um, that's something that was uncomfortable to me. It's still uncomfortable because I don't know everything I need to know and that stresses a five out. And so realizing um, just because I'm uncomfortable doesn't mean um, that I'm not growing. So you mentioned the workplace already, so do y'all want to speak a little bit more into how does the Enneagram affect you at work, not necessarily with just you in your head, but also somebody else. Yes, your co-workers. <laughs> yes. They're all great. Yes. Yeah. Um, you have to say they're all great, probably. Yeah, they're all great. They're all, <laughs> they're the best people to work with. No, I do have a bunch of great people to work with. What's really cool is our, our church is, was built or was founded by three guys. Uh, Paul McDill, David Griffin, Randy Wade. None of them are the same number. Um, one of them's a three also. Um, it hurts me when he says, I don't think you're a three. And he's a three. <laughs> um, but then you got Randy Wade, who's a one. David Griffin's a three. And then Paul McDill says he's an eight. Could be a seven, but I'll trust him he's an eight. Um, but working with them, I can understand things that David's saying and why he does things and just... Like, when, when people are walking into the church, you know, you want a three in front because they're they're the performer. They're going to get in there and they're going to greet people, try to make them feel like they're a thou- uh, worth a, a million bucks and all this kind of stuff where you may not want a five out there greeting people because it's outside their nature and they'd rather be pulled back where a three walks into a room and knows the energy immediately and can create atmospheres and stuff like that. And so... Um, then I worked with Casey Coates uh, for the f- longest time in Forney as youth pastors, and um, Casey's an eight also. And so um, Casey was about structure and getting things done. He's got and he's got a list, and it's you know line item one, and then A B C D E F G underneath it. Line item two, and I'm like, who needs that? All right, <laughs> let's be relational. And the ones want that too. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, Randy Wade lives by the list. And so when you work with people that have different numbers and you understand their number, you can understand their strengths. And so like in leadership, you'll have people, if it's a scale one to 10, people are trying to improve their two and three. So the things, so like for me, it'd be organization. I'm a two in, maybe even a one. Well, I'll spend a lot of time, I'll spend a ton of effort trying to become a four where I was a two in organization. Where really, if you're in a good leadership and what our church really promotes is if you're a seven or an eight in, say, uh, building relationships or onboarding new people into the church, make that a nine, you know? And so you try to find people who's got strengths. You probably shouldn't use numbers there because it okay. sounds like you're talking about the Enneagram. And That's I think true. you're talking about on a scale of 1 to 10. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> you try to improve good your, at something, yeah. Well, you try to improve what, you, what you're what you best at. Mm-hmm. And so when you work with multiple people with different numbers, they have certain skill sets, especially 
you'll find like ones are very organized and eights are organized and they're able to get a lot of stuff done where you've got certain people who are dreamers and they're more of their heads in the cloud and stuff and so you try to use those skill sets to better the you know the um, the organization right I like how you talked about how it takes all parts to make a whole yeah it'd be really boring if we were all the same and also it wouldn't be as fun we, well, everyone depends. needs a if seven. they're all threes it's awesome all sevens would be more fun. I don't want to attack the fours, but a world full of fours would be rough too. World Sorry, fours. fours. <laughs> yeah, it could be rough on all accounts there. So, what about in an educational setting? How has knowing your number and learning the numbers of others helped in the workplace? I think that uh, kind of the same thing in terms of knowing other people's strengths and knowing what jobs are good for them. Example, at the end of the year, um, two years ago, I guess, they asked me to check the classrooms to make sure they were cleaned out and ready for the summer. And one of the things on there says like, make sure the staples are out of the wall, you know, all that stuff. And so I did the whole, um, five thing and I just like opened the door and was like, yeah, it looks good. Check, sign off. And my counselor who I work with is a one and she went yeah. back through rooms just not to check them. She was just going in a room and she was like, Kristen, there's like a plate of old food in here. How did you not see that? And I was like, I don't know. I guess I was just <laughs> checking it off my list and, you know, there's staples in the wall. So we realized, why are we having a one, I mean, a five do this job when a one would be awesome at it? So she now has end of year checkout. She goes and checks all the rooms and she actually follows all the rules. Like teachers will come in and say, Hey, can you sign off? My room's clean. She's like, I have to go see it because, of course, she has to follow the rules. Yeah, because it's on there. She's not signing it unless um, it's actually clean. And then um, the other side of that, too, is you become more empathetic when you know other people's numbers. So realizing, you know, that's just how they are. And so, um, not yeah, a lot of grace goes into that. And not that you should ever use your number as an excuse, but it definitely gives you that idea that, you know what? This is how they see the world, and I can see that a little bit better um, because I know their number. Um, and then, of course, it helps me as an employee because I know, all right, if I'm assigned a task, a lot of times I get stuck in a loop of just thinking about it and going to Pinterest, and then I don't actually get anything done because I'm thinking is doing for a five. And so um, it makes me go, okay, you need to actually get this task done and, and turned in and um, so that's really helped us a lot in um, even education, just knowing the teachers' numbers and being able to be a little more empathetic with them, but also guide them in their strengths. That's good. Well, you know, knowing people's numbers also will help you behind their motive. You know, so why is this person doing this? And especially when you're not the same number, oftentimes it's hard to see eye to eye. And then it can frustrate you when you don't understand their number and why they're doing that or why they're asking these questions or why is it taking them long so as a three efficiency and let's go you know and if I need to cut corners to get something done I'll cut corners you know whereas a one everything has to be it done it still by makes me cringe when you say cut corners oh, when I hear that yeah. I'm like don't do it yeah <laughs> but it's it, it takes both you know yeah. so like I work with Randy Wade at our Kaufman campus now we make a great team, and the reason being is because he's the list. He's got the ideas of here's what needs to be done, and he's not going to allow me to cut corners. But I'm also the person who's sitting there going, Let, I've got the motor, let's go and mm -hmm. run, yeah. and try to push things down the field. So, 
I like what you said about knowing why other people are doing what they're doing in the workplace. Um, you talked earlier about motives, and there's a quote out there about um, we want people to judge us by our motives, even if our actions didn't go as planned, but we're always judging others by their actions instead of asking ourselves what were their motives. Mm-hmm. So yeah. back to, again, the Enneagram is different than other personality typing systems because it's looking at not the actions per se, but the motivation behind those actions. So you guys talked about the workplace. What about with your friendships? So it can be your CG. It could be <coughs> whoever you're friends with. Not necessarily you guys, but as a couple, but yeah. outside of that. I'll talk more to that probably because I'm not sure a lot of your guy friends are uh, <laughs> sold out on the Enneagram yet. No. Um, <laughs> we have about 12 people in our CG. So the six of us girls, uh, most of us know our Enneagram numbers. And I think um, for us, it's about going back to that, loving them unconditionally. You know, knowing that that's their number, that's their motive behind it, that's how they're seeing the world, and being okay with that. Um, So we are able to look past the flaws, and we lean on each other, we know how to approach each other, and that also means we have an idea of what gets on each other's nerves and how to avoid some of those pitfalls. So my good friend that's a one... um, you know, I know that in her car, when we ride in it, she always says it's dirty, in which it's not. It's always super clean. And she's like, oh, sorry, my car's so dirty. And I'm like, okay, well, don't ever ride in mine. And so um, for me, I'm thinking, okay, when I get out, I need to make sure I get everything out of her car because if I didn't, like, that would just drive her crazy. So just knowing that about her. Um, and then I have another friend who's a six with, like, a strong seven wing, and she has major FOMO. And so knowing just like last night we had a group text going and I was noticing she wasn't responding and we I mean it was a lot of text messages just back forth back forth and I was like oh gosh she's not responding and it's pretty early she's probably not asleep I bet her phone's not working and I'm thinking she's gonna be so stressed when she gets all these messages and sure enough like 8 15 this morning she texts and said I just got 84 text messages that came through and I totally missed out on that conversation, <laughs> and so I'm sure she was just uh, super upset about that just because I knew her, I know her, I know her number, and um, that definitely helps us to relate to each other a little bit better and, and know how to approach the others. Yeah, my, my friends, um, like work friends, we pretty much know everyone's number. CG, it's fun to kind of talk about their numbers and what they could be. And stuff, uh, but men really have a hard time kind of going, hey, this is me, and I'm going to try to study more about it, unless you find a male five. Why do you think that is? I think, honestly, it's because you're, like, you've been living so long and kind of don't need something else added to it, and so I'd rather work on my purpose through work or my purpose through this, but not really kind of self evaluating yourself and stuff like that. And I think men tend to not do that as much where a woman is more likely to evaluate and kind of think through and all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Uh, but I do have some guy friends that they are, they'll, they'll talk about their number. And when, when you hear it, it's like, okay, you're catching on to it. Um, but I do, I will say the men who do kind of do the work and work on the Enneagram, um, and their wives are doing it, you're starting to see a lot of growth in their marriage and their communication's better. 
Well, that leads us to our next question, which is how has the Enneagram affected your marriage? We fight a lot more. Perfect. No, I kid. We're done with the interview. No, yeah. exactly. I would, uh, I would say, um, you know, there are things that uh, my wife understands the three runs into being a workaholic, and you know, I can't, I can't do anything without thinking of something else. And so, we'll get in the car, and if I'm driving, I'll toss my phone over to her, and I'm like. I need this, 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 and this done. All right, so you're going to text this person. You're going to put the, get the map there. You're going to, you're going to uh, read this email out loud to me so that I can respond to it. Uh, make a, post, a Facebook post on our, our campus page and stuff. And then about five minutes later, I'm like, where are you at on that? And she's like, well, I'm just opening up your phone. And I'm like, dear Lord, you know, why are we not doing this? Um, Maybe she should drive. So you can do all that. Yeah, let's we can we can open up that can of worms. All right, somebody drove all the way to Montana and back on a family vacation that she planned out because she's a five. Um, but it helps us uh, honestly because we're looking at our kids, and you're starting to see your kids develop into these numbers, and so I think we have. We're praying away a one. On Why? <laughs> no offense. No offense. Ones are important. Yes. No, it's my father-in-law who's a one who's like, he, you, they. There can they gra- be only one one. He grabs our oldest no, and is like, like, you, you are, are good. good. You are good. You are good. He says all the time. <laughs> yeah. You are good. And so. Because he, he doesn't like being a one. My dad yeah. doesn't. No, he's not a fan of it. But Does then, anyone like being their number? Except for sevens. And threes. Threes. Threes love it. <laughs> and eights are like, I don't care anyway. Yeah. So. Yeah. I like my number. I'm yeah. good with it. But I think the, so you start seeing your kids, and so Kate, our oldest, is a carbon copy of Kristen. And so there are times that because of her number, I'm like, talk to him. I, I don't understand <laughs> We're this. not connecting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And it's yeah. like, hey, you'll speak his language. And so help me lead him correctly as a father. Um, and so I have to lean on her. And what that does is it actually helps our marriage and helps our relationship. Where we've got my daughter, who's in between the boys, um, who's probably a two. Like, I mean, I think she's a dead ringer for a two. And then we've got my youngest, who's a little bit of a carbon copy of me, who's a three. And he was a three ever since he was, like, two years old. You know, and so it's able to, like, there are things he'll do, and I will start laughing. And she's furious, you know, and I'm (laughs) laughing. And the reason I'm laughing isn't because of what he did, but because I know the thought pattern that went into right. him coming up with that, you know? Um, and so it helps us communicate with our kids, but then also it helps us communicate with one another. Um, with a three, I'm going to dominate conversation. I'm going to, as I'm doing right now, um, <laughs> but I'm also going to, when we go to a party, I'm, I've got to, she helped me understand this, but if we go to a party or if we're around somewhere, you've got to be beside me, otherwise I'm going to find myself in the corner. And so I've got to help introduce people. I don't meet a stranger. And so mm-hmm. um, it's helped us become a better team. In fact, actually, on the Enneagram Institute, I was reading last night, and there's a section on there where um, paired with. Yeah, so, compatibility or, with other yeah. members. Yeah. And so I did the 3-5, and I was reading off what a 3-5 is. And if you're not a 3-5 and you're married to a different number I'm sorry but ours is the best right? <laughs> I'm so I hear one in eights it's just <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> it, literally it's like one in eight compatibility 
None. Good luck. <laughs> my, my, Seek counseling. My, my counselor, yeah, my counselor at school is a one, and her husband's an eight, and she is like sold out Enneagram. She sends me stuff all the time from like she Instagram. Me? She is me. Yeah. She sends me stuff Instagram, and she's like, oh, did you see this? Did you see this? And she has to use me because her husband's an eight, so he's like, I don't care. Yes. Yeah. But it's, it, it's helped us because you start reading that compatibility, and it's like, yeah. The two people are so involved in their work, and they're about their success oriented. That she understands me and um, what's motivating me, and um, and even so much so that when she realizes the three ness in me, she knows how to encourage me best. You know, so she's like to say, she's like, "Hey, you did that great," or "You you've been very successful in this." You know, which. And she's like, hey, good job. You know, oh, okay, cool. No, you but need more. it's those words. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I would say that I would encourage all couples to find their Enneagram number if they have not. Um, as well as the five love languages, we're big supporters of that as well. Um, I do think there's some correlation between the two, not necessarily a direct statistical correlation because um, I've been looking online to see if um, this is kind of like a study I've been doing on the side because I'm a away. nerd. <laughs> and um, Welcome to the party. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been trying to figure out, you know, is there a correlation between my Enneagram number and my love language? And Because a lot of my friends, you know, when I hear their number and then I hear their love language, it starts pairing up. So threes, a lot of times words of affirmation is their number which makes sense with their achievement-oriented um, self. And then fives, we're um, quality time, usually, um, or acts, acts of, of service. service. Like, those are close together for me. Um, we actually were listening to a podcast the other day, um, the That Sounds Fun with Annie F. Downs, and she did a little Enneagram thing. She interviewed different people, and she was interviewing the fives. And the woman on there was saying... You cannot say anything to me. Those words will hold no value to me. It's what you do that matters. And I was like, yes, exactly. I had to share it with Blake because I was like, you know how you kept saying I love you when we first got married and you were wondering why I didn't say it first? Like, Mm -hmm. this is why, because I kept thinking, why do you keep saying it to me? I already know that. You're You're not changing anything. And yeah. of course, what did you say? Said, what did you say? He said, "Why do you not do that?" And I said, "Well, if it changes, I'll let you know." <laughs> and like Just all of a sudden, okay. that's a Hallmark movie for you. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, it's not the yeah the emotion side is not quite there for a five all the time. And so, knowing each other's number does help with realizing, okay, I'm not being as emotional as he needs me to be. I'm not being as um, talkative as he needs me to be. Um, or I'm not affirming him as much as I should be. And so that sound definitely... <laughs> you sound well, if, you know, the first step is admitting that you have a problem. <laughs> this is actually an intervention for you? Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, I was like, this is about to not go family-oriented. <laughs> we all wrote you letters. Yes. <laughs> That's yes, awesome. Exactly. So how has this affected you with your relationship with God? So we've talked about work, friends, marriage. So how does this connect with Jesus bring it all back to that well considering Jesus is a three <laughs> I'm not sure that was his number he's a one yeah yeah because if you don't follow the rule you can't get in so oh I'm sure everyone can have you heard about grace oh. <laughs> the rule of you have to accept that there you go that's what I meant See? well yeah. I will say okay and this is where the cult part I think came in for Blake yeah. <laughs> 
Suzanne Stabile does teach in Life of the Trinity, she does say that the Enneagram kind of represents the nine faces of Christ. Because if you try to give Jesus an Enneagram number, which just reminds me of like, are you saying Jesus Christ can't hit a curveball? <laughs> yeah. Are you saying Jesus Christ doesn't have an Enneagram number? I'm saying he's all he's the Enne- he's all the Enneagram numbers. You know, he does follow the rules like a one, but he also meets the need like a two. You know, those are the things that um that's what he that's what it's talking about when you look at it from a christian standpoint he represents all of those numbers and although we all have our one number um i do believe that we all have a little bit of every number because that's what a lot of times people will say when they hear it They're like i feel like i'm a little bit of all of it i'm like everybody's a little bit of all of it it's what your core motivation is and so Knowing my number um, with my relationship with God has just made me better at being more open to what God has to tell me. Um, You know, I don't like to overthink things, and so uh, I like to think, but not too hard, um, which sounds like horrible, um, but I just like to know a little bit of everything instead of a lot of one thing, and some fives want to know a lot about one thing. They're the expert at one thing, and I like to be more jack-of-all-trades person. And so um, it definitely helps me with Bible study because I want to learn more and more and I'm going to look for a commentary about it and we're going to break down the verse differently. And so that side of my number helps me with Bible study. Um, But then the other part of it is knowing that I'm not empathetic like Christ was. I'm not compassionate like he was. And um, going... That's why you made twos. (laughs) That's right. That's what twos are for. Um, and so knowing, okay, for me to be more like Christ, I have to get outside my number a little bit and grow in that area. So those are kind of some of the things that stood out to me. I would say uh, my relationship with Jesus has, um, honestly, what, what he does is he helps me see the flaws in the three and then try to correct that. Because the three is super egotistical, selfish, you know, wants the adoration and stuff. And so when it comes to Jesus and all things that has happened that are good is actually, you know, because of him and the gifts that he's put in you. And so to be able to reflect on that and say, hey, I've got to be humble, you know. And so there are parts of me um, that don't look like a three because I've got Jesus, you know. Um, You know, so instead of going, hey, look, look how great this is. I'm trying to, you know, be like, hey, Jesus is the one who's done this and stuff. Um, and there are things that I want to say and brag about myself, but really I have to pull back off of it. Mm-hmm. So like Facebook, I mean, that would be cocaine to me, you know, <laughs> like, look how awesome I am. Look what I've done. Look at this. Yeah. Look at that. Look at all this kind of stuff. But because I've got Jesus sitting there going, man, it's, it's not about you. It's not you. It's about me. So I'm actually able to adapt how I do social media and I have to keep thinking yeah. in my head about like, hey, capture every thought, capture, you know, make much of him and not make much of, mm-hmm. of me. And so, um, understanding the three of me or the three of me has helped a ton in trying to glorify Jesus more than getting the attention. I like how you talked about how you have to keep reminding yourself. That reminds me of that Romans verse where mm-hmm. he keeps doing what he doesn't want to do and you have to oh, continually refocus like okay i'm a one so Mm -hmm. don't be so rude to people when they don't do it like you would (laughs) no don't judge them but like a one but a one though (laughs) knows they need to do the bible study you know they need to pray and they need to do this and this and so 
when you wake up, you have that feeling like, hey, I've got to do this. And so there's a bunch of positives of being your number inside of that. I have yet to really find that <laughs> in the three. <laughs> the where it's like, you. it's like, as a, as a Christian three, it's like, oh, man, that's rough. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is hard. So as we wrap up here, are there any other benefits or um, things that you'd like to share about the Enneagram and how it's used in joy-filled marriage? Um, anything else you want to be sure to include? Go ahead. Okay. I, was like, um, I would say that um, The Road Back to You itself as a book is super helpful in terms of going into great detail about each number. Um, it gets outside that whole taking a test mentality because I think that sometimes happens where they somebody takes the test, they say, oh, okay, I'm a two, and then they just leave it at that um, and never do any more um, searching after that. And so actually taking the book and list, learning about all the numbers, even if you know your number, knowing other people's numbers so that you have stronger relationships with people and a stronger marriage because you realize this is how my husband sees the world. And so if I know how he sees it and he knows how I see it, we're going to have um, an easier time um, merging together and mm -hmm. being one and kind of being on the same team like you were talking about earlier. And so I would encourage anybody who maybe knows their number to not only look at their number, but to keep looking at everybody else's numbers. Um, there's lots of great um, Instagram uh, people out there who do the Enneagram. And so you can like search people or tags for Enneagram and they post daily like here's what the one would think here's what the two would think here's what the three and um, any off the top of your head that you can remember uh yes putting you on the spot uh, well your Enneagram coach she um is her name's Beth McCord and she's actually her and her husband are writing a book called Becoming Us and it's the Enneagram and Marriage and it I think releases in October um so she is a great resource this one, this other person that I, off the top of my head, um, Enneagram Ashton is her name. She's got great resources. And then Enneagram and Coffee. Those are probably the three that I see the most pop up on my feed. And it's just super helpful for me to know not only, um, of course, I should know what mine says. And it's interesting to see if mine matches up. Because there's some things in your number that maybe don't describe you just for whatever reason. But it is... I want to read, you know, what Blake's number says. What does the three say? What would theirs be? And then, you know, knowing my friends have these numbers, what does theirs say? Um, and how can I approach them in a different way? So I definitely encourage people to not just know your number, but actually kind of do a little more um, in-depth study, even if it's just as simple as scrolling through your Instagram and seeing people post about that. Yeah. And I think uh, the road back to you was it helps you figure out your wings. I think that was probably the biggest benefit because – she used to think I was a, a four-wing three. and Three-wing four. Or three-wing four. No. I thought you were a three-wing four. You're a three-wing two. Yes. No, I'm a three with a two-wing. Two that's what I'm saying. You're saying a two-wing three. Or a, a no, three-wing two. Your dyslexia is kicking in. Oh, that's fun. Welcome. <laughs> All right, that's real marriage right there. Joy-filled marriage. Watch us argue. Um, but no, the... Uh, with Joy. Yes, with joy. I love you, but you're frustrating. Um, but no, it's the it's the it's helped me figure out the wings, and you know, for the longest time, because I've had leaders say, "I think you're a two. 
And I'm like, no, I'm not a two. But they're like, no, here's this kind of, here's where we see it. And I'm like, well, you're my leader, so I have to fulfill your need. Right. Because it's seen as successful, not because I need to do it or Motivation. I feel, need to feel mm-hmm. needed. And so um, when we read through that or when she was reading it while I was driving, um, it was able, like it opened up doors for me to help me kind of process these things and stuff. Um, another thing is like with joyful marriage, it helps, it helps, um, a ton in communicating and we've, we've got to make sure, and we probably got to do a better job of this is making sure we hit a lot of the numbers because if all we do is talk to the five or to the three, or I make fun of the four, you know, (laughs) fours, I'm so sorry. Um, but the, you know, if all we do is speak to those things, then we're, we're hitting it was it two ninths of a segment mm-hmm. of the population and so um you know it's helped us to come up with material and to help us be able to try to minister better to others because ultimately what we want for joyful marriage is to help marriages and help them find what god's intended for them mm-hmm. well that's what i would say is you know with with the idea of joy-filled marriage and you know we talk about joy a lot especially in the church but it's not being happy, um, and I think that's a lot of times what we see in marriages is people are like, well, I'm not happy, and we're like, well, you don't have to be happy. Um, it's about just digging down deeper and finding that joy and focusing on the positive side of marriage, even if a lot of stuff is negative right now, you know, working on your marriage and fighting for it, that's, that's, a, big, um, that's a big part of what we, um, who we are and what we want to do with joy marriage. So what are some things coming up for you guys with Joyful Marriage? Do you have anything, like, if you're dreaming big, what would be awesome? Or what do you guys have for us to kind of look at, look forward to? Y'all mentioned some stuff earlier. I don't know if you want to <laughs> tease it. Yeah. Or... Um, well, we have posted already, like, our um, 30-day marriage challenge that is out there. Um, we also are blogging. Um, it's funny because I guess being off in the summer, I thought I would be doing a lot more and I just found that summer was way more fun than doing any more work. So, um, definitely we'll be picking back up a little bit of steam, I think, as the school year's getting started and with the schedule and stuff like that. Yes. So we'll be posting some new videos, um, where Blake and I are talking and, and sharing ideas. We're looking at different, lots of different topics coming up. Yeah. Um, we want to cover um, in the next few topics, we're talking about kind of focusing on the positive and not the negative. You know, that idea of marriage is a roller coaster. Um, we're going to hit things like infertility, um, mm-hmm. sex. We want to talk about, um, I'd like to have some guest bloggers come on that people have been through some different things in their marriages um, and actually um, write some posts for us so that everybody's getting a different perspective. If someone out there is going, oh, that's me, I could write for you, how could they get into contact with you? They could... DM us. Slide <laughs> our DMs. They could message us on Facebook or Instagram. That's probably the fastest way to get a hold yeah. of us. Okay. Um, you know, I think, I think what I'm excited for it is, you know, I think for me I see the interaction. That's, that's what I hope we are able to improve on is to see interaction with other couples and stuff, you know. Um, I don't think that, I mean, I don't feel like God's called us to this, like, hey, we're going to step away and this is going to be 100%. Um, just a ministry and joyful marriage is all it, and we're going to be filling stadiums and whatnot. 
don't think that's happening, but if it does, go God. Um, but it's a, we want it to be something that is a benefit to other people. Um, and if anything, just spark a thought in them to be better, you know, because we can always be better husbands. We can always be better wives. Um, we can always be better parents, you know, it is joyful marriage, but we actually talk about our kids a lot. Um, and if you have kids, it's impossible to not have that in the midst of it. And so, um, you know, we would love to see more interaction with people and helping them just find what God's got for them. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for coming on the show today. We appreciate having you and all the insight and research you had to share. No, yeah. thanks for having us. Um, yes, and thank you. as a three, this was probably your best episode. <laughs> <laughs> I confirm that as a one. It was great. You talked through all the things we wanted y'all to talk through, so you got my list. Yay. Five Good. gold stars for you. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, make sure you guys check these guys check these guys out on Facebook, Instagram, and all the other places. See you later. Thanks for listening to the Witty and Gritty podcast, hosted by Brooke and Farron. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and our website, wittyandgritty.blog. Subscribe to our email list to get exclusive updates, freebies, and more. Keep tuning in to learn a little about a lot.